Hello and welcome to Style and Substance, a branding and business podcast for inspired and empowered entrepreneurs. I'm Elizabeth Cairns and together with my fabulous co-host Fiona Humberstone, we're here to help you sidestep the hustle, keep joy at the forefront of your work and champion a more meaningful and sustainable approach to business. We'll talk about everything from purpose to productivity, from colour psychology to creativity, where to start and how to keep going, how to stay inspired, empowered, and more importantly, sane in the process. We hope you enjoy the show. And if you do, please like, share, subscribe, and keep listening. Hello, lovely listeners. Welcome back on the other side of the half-term break. And this is, I think, also the first recording since Fee's been off to Mustique. So we're going to hear a bit about that. How are you feeling, lovely? So inspired, so inspired, so creative, so full of possibilities. I mean, obviously, going to the Caribbean is going to do that for you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And just the loveliest clients, the most amazing time. I mean, they just welcomed me into their home with their family. It was an amazing, amazing experience, and lovely. Yeah, I feel I feel very, very lucky. And then, you know, on the other side of that, feeling really inspired and motivated, and kind of buoyed up, and lots and lots of inquiries in my inbox, lots of bookings for days and sessions with clients and projects. So it it really does feel like I'm in a very different space to autumn of last year and I feel really excited. How about you? Yeah, same. This year's shaping up to be really lovely. Some very juicy projects, some lovely new clients coming on board. I won't give you the details of it all. That will come out in other episodes. But yeah, the same. This year's looking really positive and a lot of people are more fired up, I think, to make stuff happen for themselves and, and to really get stuck in this year, which is amazing. That's a lovely energy to be surrounded with as well, isn't it? Yeah. So let's keep more of that going. And I wanted us to get really practical today. And we're going to talk about design fundamentals, because this is something that was certainly game changing for me when you and I worked on the Design for Go-Getters course. Mm. And I think can be really, really empowering for so many entrepreneurs who aren't designers and don't have that in their toolkit yeah. But also because it's so fundamentally important to us. So, yeah, we're going to talk about design fundamentals. Why is that important? And how, why has this come up as something for us now that we want to talk about? Mm, such a good question. So maybe we'll just start by explaining what specifically we're going to talk about. And I'm hoping to goodness that this translates really well on an audio platform. It's something I generally teach visually but there's this bit of it the bit that we're going to talk about I think is really important I don't think we need to go into too much detail here about why it matters to have a brand identity that really speaks to your business and what you want to be known for and creates the right impact we're all fairly on board as entrepreneurs with that idea So most of us will invest in a brand identity. Most of us will agonize over whether that font's right, whether that color's right, whether I like that little illustration, whether it should be something else. You know, we can get really quite lost in the weeds in the brand design process. Mm. And 
you know, a great brand identity will really lift us up, move us forward, make us very proud of our business and really connect with our clients. And what lots of us do as entrepreneurs is really throw our all into that process and then put that brand identity along with the assets on a little folder on our computer and only really go back to it when we need a logo, right? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Or once the website's done, it just gets parked forever, right? (laughs) Yeah. In my experience, it doesn't even get always referred to when the website's being built. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Depending on who's doing it. Yeah. So when we're talking about design fundamentals, what do you mean by that? Well, so I'm not talking about the brand identity. I'm talking about all those pieces of collateral that you as an entrepreneur produce Mm -hmm. Um, things like your email newsletters downloads on your website uh, your media kit presentations to clients or posters in the window or um, I don't know Instagram graphics Instagram graphics I mean you probably think you're not producing design but anything you are producing is creating an impact and we can either control that impact and make sure it really backs up our brand or we don't and I guess when it comes to graphic design which is what we're really talking about so if we just break down quickly brand design is the art of creating a feeling around your brand it's it's that very careful and considered choice of typefaces of colors of patterns of illustrative styles of textures of photography all designing that and coming together to create this spirit of your brand to create that impact and as you know I'm really passionate about that being resonant with your magic and supporting you commercially but that's the brand design piece that that really gets done once Mm -hmm. graphic design is the art of pulling together complex information, presenting that in a way that people can understand. But it's it doesn't have to be complex information. So as we're producing a media kit, we are laying out, I don't know, pricing, terms and conditions. We're laying out testimonials. We're laying out deliverables. We're putting images in. That all needs to be laid out nicely. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be making choices at that point about, what colour am I going to use? What typeface am I going to use? That's all been decided on mm-hmm. in your brand process by your brand designer. Yeah. But the graphic design piece, even if you've had a brand designer create you a media kit or a presentation template or some Instagram graphics, every time you create new presentations, new Instagram graphics, you are designing, mm-hmm. whether you realise it or not. And what often happens is, as entrepreneurs, we don't notice the things that the designers had noticed. So we break the template without meaning to, without, I, when I say break the template, I don't mean literally it doesn't work anymore. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> so you lose the, thing, the impact of the beautiful thing that was the enchanting magic in the first place, right? Much better put, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you break that shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so what we're talking about is the graphic design. As entrepreneurs, we don't need to come up with the most creative pieces of graphic design. We don't need to be making creative decisions about how our brand's going to feel 
at this point. But what we do need to do is make sure that our brand communicates consistently with professionalism and with integrity. And that's the bit that I'm regularly seeing being broken. Yeah, and and the frustration, I suppose, from your end is when someone's really invested in getting a beautiful brand identity, the impact of that and the the potential opportunity missed by the entrepreneur of not rolling that out in the way that maintains its beautiful integrity is so frustrating because then the brand loses the potential power that it had in the creation of that, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a big kind of heartache for brand designers. They put so much energy and time and effort into creating this beautiful brand and then a client comes along and breaks it. That's mm. that's heartbreaking. From my perspective with the work that I do with the brand stylist, what's more frustrating to me is that they leak credibility yes. and they, they miss opportunities. And it really does have that level of yeah. commercial impact. Like it sounds ridiculous that, you know, if you just made your heading font a third of the size and you just added in three times the letter spacing, that people would take you more seriously. But if you could see what I was seeing, yes. <laughs> you would know it was a thing. Absolutely. And that's what I mean by missing the potential because there yes. is a direct commercial impact. And we kind of, we we know this stuff subliminally in our bones because we know those brands that we go out and purchase and we love and we adore you say that but I don't think we know what to look for exactly that's what I mean it's all very subliminal and subconscious but and we know the brands that we think are really tacky but we don't know why yes I think the other thing just to touch on why this matters is you know it looks bad you know it doesn't look as beautiful as Kaz might have made it Mm. you know that it doesn't make you feel great but you think there's nothing you can do about it. You just think, A, Kaz must have better software than me. I mean, yes, she will have. I have wrestled with more hideous pieces of consumer design software over the last two months than I care to mention. Like, <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. You can make something in Microsoft Word look stunning if you know what you're looking for. Yes. And Maybe it's worth us just exploring what commercial impact does you feeling amazing have? No. Is that even a statement or a sentence? Have I even made sense? (laughs) Yeah, because I think when you know what to look for, when you know the changes to make and you know that you have those tools at the fingertips and it doesn't have to mean expensive design software, these fundamentals can be rolled out with whatever you're using. There's a sense of empowerment. There's a sense of confidence. And then when you send that media kit out or you put that Instagram graphic out, there's a vibe that goes with it. There's a confidence. Mm. There's a magnetism. There's a there's an excitement. There's an inspiration. There's an enthusiasm. That is game changing for me. Yeah, I think it's that, isn't it? You know, let's say you're putting a proposal together. It can be really nerve wracking if it's a project that you want it can be so nerve wracking. We need to remove all those barriers to you yeah. feeling a bit wobbly about it, don't we? Whether that's, Absolutely. have I charged the right amount? Have I suggested the right approach? Whether it's, you know, we certainly don't want, does this look professionally? Are, are they going to take me seriously? They're, chucking your nice logo on the front is not going to create the professional impression if the typography is all over the place, if the layout's bad, 
if the margins are off, if it's out of scale. So it really does make a difference, A, to how your clients respond, but I think more than that, to how you feel as you send it out. And as you say, that goes a really long way. Yeah, it really does. And also, just to be clear here as well, we're not trying to replace the work of designers with this, are we? No, if anything, what I'm trying to do is stop designers having sleepless nights over their beautiful brand identities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because designers, I mean, it was really funny because um, Susanna from Arnia, she built her website herself. And I quite often encourage clients to do this, put lots of money into a beautiful brand identity, into amazing photography. Mm. You don't need to reinvent the wheel when it comes to your website. If you Mm. can translate across the typography, the, the spacing, the design, however much of a budget you have to invest in something rather than spreading yourself thinly across lots of areas it can be a really great idea to concentrate that budget on the places that are going to have the most impact so the creative visionary pieces the bits that you can't do yourself so Susanna was building the Arnia website and she'd done a phenomenal job but I was saying to her my eye is twitching like your headers are too big Um, we need more spacing around things between the letters Mm -hmm. and she was so funny because I spent about an hour going through some of the bits some of the detail with her Um, and she said I'm going to do my best I'm not sure what I can do in Shopify but you know I'll do my best and then you're going to have to get over the rest Mm -hmm. and I got this lovely email from her about a day later saying it's actually much easier to sort out when I knew what I was doing and hopefully you'll have one less eye twitch for me. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. But it is that thing of, you know, we we really do take care to think about the spacing of the letters or whether they're uppercase or lowercase and, and how much space there is around the header, for example. Because all of those things change how someone responds to your design and I think I go through this in quite a lot of detail in design for go-getters you know speeding up slowing down certainly in the resonant brand method we go into this in great detail don't we yeah absolutely and I want to get in in a second to what those categories of design fundamentals are but can I ask you a slightly left field question that we haven't prepped I love a left field question excellent so there's a big drive at the moment towards brands becoming less polished, uh, more authentic, more real, like don't tart everything up, just be yourself out there on Instagram, put a just, you know, just out of the gym, messy bedhead or whatever, and, and get and translate the authenticity of your brand. And there might be an assumption, and I think a lot of social media will start to go a lot more that way, people taking maybe less care, being more spontaneous, all of this kind of stuff. And I don't think what you're saying is in competition with that, but how do those two things in terms of authenticity and integrity of the brand come together when we're talking about design fundamentals? So I think there's a couple of things you're talking about there. The first thing you're making me think of is that amazing newsletter that Cecilina wrote about AI. Yes. And I think she's absolutely on the money. You know, AI is all about perfection, unreality, And so, you know, as creative directors, art directors, photographers, we are both 
thinking really hard about how we can make the photography that we create feel really personable and authentic and that's something we've always done Mm. but but it's it's more important than ever now at the same time my drive with branding is to create brands that aren't just smart yeah aren't just surface level don't just look good on instagram that really connect and resonate with the magic and what sets that brand apart and a huge amount of effort and energy and expertise and specialism goes into creating that. Mm-hmm. So should you just whack up something in Comic Sans? No, absolutely not. So I think for me, the authenticity comes from creating a brand that really speaks to the magic of the brand. You don't send out something that looks shoddy. At the same time, and this is another reason you need to understand A, how branding works and B, how design works. If you were to say, you know, my my brand colors are purple, green, and pink. So all of my photos are going to be purple, green, and pink. That's stifling. There is no room for creativity. There's no room for flair. There's no room for personality. Yeah. So it's about being empowered and having that opportunity to really connect with people and also connect with your creative flair so the more you understand what great design looks like the more boundaries you can push the more you understand the decisions that have been made about your brand why they've happened how that connects back to the essence of your brand the more you can push the creative boundaries without breaking the brand nice the tendency can be to think oh my God, this is going to take so much time. And and I don't, you know, I just need, a designer should have sorted all that out. And I, I can't take this on. It's too big for my business. But actually, my experience of going through this stuff with you is that it it saves such a huge amount of time. It means that you can create that that level of consistency. Yeah, and it's incredibly empowering. Yeah. What I would say, just as a quick caveat to that, because I'm thinking back across the people that I've worked with on the open house days. Mm. So it is much faster. It's much more empowering when you have a, the brand fundamentals in place and B once you've learned how to use whatever software you're using properly. So, you know, most people on my days are using Canva, which is not my software of choice, but people like it. Once you've worked out how to create the paragraph styles, how to apply them, it's really quick. If you're going around doing it manually every time and you're not very tech friendly, I'm not going to pretend it's not going to take longer because it is. Yeah, no, That's just enough. an inefficient way of working. The other quick thing also to caveat is where it has slowed people down is where they don't have a developed brand identity to work to and I'm sure we'll come back to that but for this to be quick you shouldn't be making branding decisions you're just implementing your brand identity great okay so let's cover two things off here the first being what's a developed brand identity and the second being what are these these categories of brand fundamentals that we're talking about you talked about spacing and you talked about some typography but let's let's lay those out so first of all what is a developed brand identity when you get your identity back from a designer 
ideally, if you've got a complete identity, what would that include? Yeah, I mean, a, a complete brand identity would obviously include your logos and that that might be in multiple layouts. So it might include stacked versions, you know, it might include versions that can go landscape on a website, square sort of shaped, portrait shape maybe, with and without your icon, with and without your, your tagline. So you're going to have various different logos and you know, in the case of Oceanus, they've also got them in six colorways. You'll have a color palette. And, you know, maybe that's only two colors. The brand stylist only has a brand black and an off-white. That's it. So, you you know, you don't need 26 colors for your brand. It's whatever the designer has developed for you to reflect what you need. Sure. You'll probably have some icons, maybe some illustrations, maybe a pattern, maybe mm-hmm. some textures. The big one for me is the type palette. Mm-hmm. And type is just my favorite way into a brand because it communicates so much, not just in the typeface, but also in the way that it's been laid out. So yeah. the, um, you know, is it all uppercase? Is it all lowercase? That all creates a different impression. What kind of spacing between the letters, around the letters, all that stuff. The kerning or the whatever. The leading, the kerning, <laughs> the leading, tracking, the yeah, all those things. So all of that will have been designed and developed. And in the old days, we would, at the end of a project, we would create a brand manual. Brand manuals are some of the most boring things to put together for a designer. You know, it's not creative. It's just kind of listing out what your client's got. And, and you know, I'm sure I'm going to get a barrage of emails people saying my brand manuals aren't boring well let me tell you when I had my design agency they were the things that everybody hated putting together mm-hmm. you know you're at the end of the project it's not very exciting and I think the worst thing about it was they're incredibly labor intensive and very often the client never looks at it yeah so you've done this thing that is was not very fun to put together You've had to add on however much to your costs and you kind of know that the client isn't going to use it. So what I've noticed recently is that designers very often don't include a brand manual in the brand design. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a terrible thing. Why charge a client? Why, you know, hike your price however much for something that a client doesn't really value? Mm-hmm. You don't really want to put together. <laughs> and let's reclaim the brand manual, people. <laughs> well, we need to. I did a whole seminar on this in lockdown called Design Insights, where I probably need to redo it and rename it, actually. But I was literally showing people how to use their brand manuals mm. because people were putting together these nice but disjointed from their brand manual designs. And all the answers were in that brand manual. So they were running around making decisions about, you know, what my header should look like, what colours, what font it should be. And actually, if you just looked at the brand manual, your designer has told you what to do. So I'm expecting most people that are listening to this podcast not to have a brand manual. Okay. That doesn't mean that you still can't apply it. Sure. So if you've got some design templates, you can use those as a starting point. Great. Okay. So if you've got a brand manual, brilliant. 
If you haven't, the fundamentals still apply. So what are we talking about when we're talking about design fundamentals? So alignment, space, hierarchy, scale, type, colour. Is there a primacy to the impact that those things create? Where do we start? If I was setting up a new template for a client, I'd start with the paragraph styles. Okay. So I'd start by setting up my type um, because that, you know, the size of my font is going to determine how big or small I make my paragraph or heading boxes. So I'd probably start there. I'd start with the type. And the first thing I would do is faithfully replicate what my designer has done. And that means looking at more than you think. Right. So again, what what I see most often is I've got the font loaded in, therefore it's on brand. Right. That's just the start. Yeah. So what what do we change with in relation to the font that creates a different feeling? The scale of the font is the mm-hmm. big one. Mm-hmm. So how big is that header? And what you need to do, if you don't have a brand manual, or frankly, even if you do, you need to put some dummy text in and you need to play about with that heading until it looks exactly the same mm-hmm. as the one your designer's created. So that is going to mean looking at, first of all, the case. So by case, I mean, is it uppercase, lowercase, title case, or sentence case? Mm-hmm. Hopefully all that's quite self-explanatory, right? Yeah. We can Um, do all this. (laughs) You're going to look at the spacing or the tracking or the kerning. So is it tightly spaced or is there air in between the letters on Mm. your header? You're going to look at the scale. So how big is that header? And this is where people often get stuff wrong. So they've got the font loaded in, they've made it all capitals, but there's no space. And instead of being 12 point, which admittedly is very small for a header, but sometimes that's what you want, they've made it 26 and it looks really ugly. Mm -hmm. So you're literally looking at all those elements until they look the same Mm -hmm. as what your designer created. Then I would move on to the paragraph. Oh, and colour, making sure it's the right Mm colour as well. You know, because again, we normally just whack it in black and very few of you will have 100% black as your colour. Then you're going to look at your paragraph. And again, what most often happens, and I lost count of the number of times I said this at the last open house. (laughs) It's very rare that your paragraph text will be single spaced. Mm -hmm. So one of the limitations I've noticed in Canva, and maybe there's a way around it, it doesn't really matter, is you seem to only be able to have single line spacing, one and a half line spacing or double. Whereas obviously with InDesign, I've got absolute control. So I can have 1.42 spacing (laughs) if I want to. It's not the end of the world. Single line spacing is going to look a bit amateurish. Negative line spacing is going to look incredibly amateurish. One and a half as kind of, I don't know how this is translating audibly, but you know, <laughs> you want to change the spacing. So so I'd get all that stuff set up. And then you're right. Then I do look at the layout and I do look at how much space. And again, what I see is generally wall-to-wall paragraphs. So, you know, we've got our landscape page 
and the text box runs from the left-hand side of the page to the right-hand side, and we've got about a centimetre of margin down either side. Mm -hmm. You will never see a trained designer do that, Mm -hmm. ever. It looks Mm -hmm. terrible. They might run it off the edge of the page as a design device, and I show you how to do that in Sign for Go-Getters. But the wider the margins, the more elevated. Mm -hmm. And then we start getting into alignment so making sure that the things that go together have this kind of invisible ruler down the edge and then you want to break the alignment to make your page interesting um hierarchy what what is it that matters most on the page what do we need people to notice first the most rookie mistake i notice is putting their company name giving that primacy you're not the most important thing on your proposal your client is or the Mm -hmm. project is so Mm -hmm. you know it's things like that scale making sure that things are comfortably scaled and again one of the things I hear myself saying often is just keep playing about with it until everything looks comfortable Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you get this like uncomfortable feeling when you're playing around with the design you can sort that out so you, yeah. you just keep playing with it until until it feels good. Mm. And when you say set this up, you mean put it into the style template of whatever it is that you're yeah. using. So if you're yeah. using Word, you can pre-program. Once you've got your header style, you've got your your normal font style, you've got your indented paragraph style, set those styles to save you time, right? Yeah, so that you're not having to make those decisions or agonise over whether you're spacing's correct every single time and save save the file as a template as well yeah and I think for those people working in Canva the pro version of camera Canva allows you to do that whereas I don't know whether the standard version of Canva I think to be a bit harsh and judgy for a minute I think if you're running a business you probably at the very least need to invest in the pro version of Canva I don't think it's a lot of money but you need that flexibility of your fonts and you know, to, to keep it on brand. And I think the money that you, I mean, I, I, I haven't enjoyed using Canva, but the people that do use it seem to love it. Yeah, it's definitely not a designer's tool of choice, <laughs> I don't think. But no. I think for the lay person, lots of people seem to use it. Yeah. Okay, great. So is there something that has more impact than not on a design? Or does it completely depend? I think it really depends on the brand. I mean, for me, type is always the thing that I'll start with. As in, if I'm sorting out a design, I'll always start by getting the fonts right first. Mm. Because you can't really see what you're working with until those fonts are in place. So there's no point in me bringing in the margins and getting that layout right until I know how big the block that is the header is. Mm -hmm. So, so so type, really. Colour is a very easy thing to sort out. So, you know, an obvious thing is very rarely will your brand include bright white. Mm-hmm. So, so if you just get rid of that bright white page and you make it a, a slightly off-white, everything's going to elevate. So if you change from hard black and polar white to soft black and, and off-white... Mm your brand will look a hundred times classier. And actually, I think on the last one, I had a lovely florist who was really proud of her website that she'd created. Another website building platform that I don't know how to use. (laughs) (laughs) 
And she's a luxury florist. And I was saying to her, so if you're luxury, we need to not have polar white and hard black. Um, so we yeah. changed it and it, it looks so much better. Nice. So let's yeah. think about some of those sort of broadly sweeping brand categories then. And I'm thinking, you know, if at one end you've got the high lux and get away with the diamond whites and the blacks, and then at the other end, say maybe you've got a slow, organic, rustic country brand as the two polar opposites. You're you're applying these things differently, right? Are there some? Yeah. I mean, I know there is so much detail to go into this, mm. and I know that we're, I just want to give people a flavour for if you were to take a standard piece of text and, and take it luxe, what would you do? And if you were to take something standard and take it soft and organic and earthy, what might you do? Well, I think the first thing to say is like this is graphic design; it's not brand design. So all of that sure. has been set. So all I'm trying to do at the graphic design stage is honour what's mm. already been designed. Yeah. So I would probably take the same approach of make sure the fonts are right and make sure the colours are right. Mm-hmm. And what those were would be different. But mm. the process to elevating the design would be exactly the same. You would want to create that space, create that hierarchy, create that consistency of type and mm and make sure that the scale was there you know I think I think you'd probably be doing exactly the same thing just in a different way yeah that was my hypothesis I was just checking that out okay so when we've done all of this how do we know if we're not running everything past our designer how do we know we've landed on it other than obviously meticulously following your brand manual if you have one what's what's our sort of sense check I think you'll feel good about it Mm mm-hmm yeah. That's what I've noticed. Now, the tricky thing is how how do you know it's good? Well, that's where I was going to go next. But for someone that's not immersed in design, how can we as entrepreneurs get more of a feel for what good design looks like? Is there anything in terms of what we should be paying attention to out there? Is there any ways of gathering inspiration? You know, how do we elevate our own internal sense of what good design looks like? Yeah, I mean that that's the big things and certainly when I was learning about design, I was utterly obsessed. And I still I still look around me now at new shops that are opening on Guildford High Street or new brands that pop up on my Instagram or in my Pinterest. You have to immerse yourself mm. in great design. And obviously, lots of the stuff I'm immersing myself in is brand design. It's not layout design. But look at packaging that you love and Mm -hmm. and ask yourself like what scale are they working to how uh, and you know that sort of rule of thirds is a great one as well so Mm -hmm. often something will be a third of the size of of the more important thing so that can be a start but just really keeping your eyes open to the packaging around you the digital stuff that you're seeing remembering that not everything that's produced or printed is good design so Mm. if if it looks ugly then maybe it is so so building out your own barometer and one of the things I think is a is a great resource for bad design is when you're on the motorway oh god yes um just looking at the backs of vans and how they've been sign written (laughs) billboards yeah will show you the importance of scale because there isn't any 
Great. Okay. Is there anything I haven't asked you that you think is really important to know? Other than go and buy design for go getters, obviously. (laughs) Well, that's actually a shameless plugs aside. If someone just wants to dip their toe, there's other things they can do, right, as well. So there's the Design Insights seminar, which will show you how to implement your brand manual and the kinds of things you need to look out for. And I also made the six-week Design Summer School available. That's 30 quid. So it's not a lot of money. Actually, I was listening to another podcast and they were saying how they don't they don't do advertising, but their their listeners can support them through their Patreon. And I guess we're a bit similar in that we don't we don't advertise, but you know, my online courses are the thing that pay my mortgage. So yeah. If you feel like you've enjoyed <laughs> if you enjoyed the podcast, feel free to commission Elizabeth or me. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. All right, my lovely. Thank you so much. That's really helpful and very inspiring. And Yeah. And I think it's one of these things that shouldn't be a tool to beat ourselves over the head with. We're all just doing the absolute best that we can. And if you're really inspired and excited about it, maybe we can start to achieve a little bit more of the potential that's there and and keep your lovely designer happy, too. Yeah, I think it's a really empowering, exciting thing to be able to do. And once once you've learned about design, it really will transform how you can communicate and how how people see the credibility in what you're doing so it's a really powerful thing and I really hope that we've inspired you thank you so much for tuning in to style and substance we really hope you've enjoyed the show You can find more information on everything we've talked about by heading to the show notes or by visiting our websites at thebrand-stylist.com or elizabethcairns.com. If you like what you've heard, we'd love a review. We're a brand new show and your support makes all the difference. You can like and subscribe as well as giving us what we hope is a well-deserved five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear what you think of the show too, so please do leave your comments, questions or suggestions for future episodes on our blogs. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye.